You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. Here's your host, Dan Healy, also known as at the Miami Heat UK. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Heating Up the UK. I'm your host, Dan Healy. And before we come on to today's episode, I just want to thank, thank all the new listeners that are finding our podcast. We are still relatively new to the podcasting game, but whether you're a new listener or whether you're a an existing listener, I just want to uh, say I appreciate everybody's support. Uh, the listener figures are going up steadily, which is great. But uh, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, then please do us a favour and just hit that review if, uh, button if you enjoy the content and uh, as I say thank you so much uh, we will continue to be bringing you lots of new content in the new season we will be doing Heating Up the UK twice a week as of next season once a week with a stateside guest like I've got today and once with a brand new residency format with myself and three other heat, uh, UK Heat fans so that will be something to dive into as of next season and with me today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by yet another member of the Five on the Floor podcast. It's Mr. Greg Sylvander. Greg, how are you doing, sir? I'm great. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I love what you've been uh, building over the last, what is it, almost a year and a half now or a a good year. Um, It's awesome to see it grow and uh, thank you for having me. Oh, not at all. That's no, a pleasure to have you on. Um, yeah, about uh, 18 months we've been going, about a year, just over a year with the podcast. So we're steadily growing. But uh, yeah, it's been brilliant to, uh, to to have some insights from you guys over there, because uh, as much as we are still learning and it's still um, a sport that is growing massively in the UK, there's nothing better than listening to people that really do understand the heat and uh, like absolutely uh, put you in that bracket. I mean, um, <laughs> when I'm listening to Five on the Floor and I... I I mean, my I listen to um, to podcasts every day. I can my hour uh, my commute to work is about an hour long, so I listen to a podcast both going in and coming home from work. And I've got my favourites, as we all have: Five on the Floor, Miami Heat Beat, Locked on Heat, Feisty Hoops, etc. Um, whenever I'm listening to you, Greg, it's one of those that it's I, I find myself that. I get neck ache almost with this nodding along with agreement and the lots of lots of yet yeah, damn right and agreed with that. So uh, I think we I speak for a lot of people when we say that when we listen when we hear Greg talk, we all agree with what he's saying. So it's brilliant to have you on, sir. Thank you. Well, I love I love to hear anybody who says that they agree with me. But more than that, I think it has to do with that. Uh, Heat fans are aligned in so many ways, and um, you know, just overall, uh, the the fan base has grown from a uh, from an intellect perspective as it relates to basketball and salary mm. caps and just the ins and outs of of the game. Uh, when I think back to uh, you know, maybe pre big three to now, it's incredible to see the way that the fan base has evolved. So it's cool when you hear that others are on the same wavelength and I do appreciate you listening and to all of your listeners, thank you for listening to five on the floor. We really appreciate the support. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great stuff. So uh, you joined me at a exciting time because 24 hours ago, we heard the big news that Bam Adebayo, of course, had agreed to extend his five-year contract with the Heat right now, which uh, is the thing that maybe caused uh, maybe some eyebrows to go up is the right now bit. Now, this was sort of sort of half expected, half unexpected to do with the timing. But before we get into the ins and outs, the ramifications about what this means now, um, first of all, on the player 
player himself, Bam Adebayo, how, in your opinion, how deserving is Bam of this contract? Oh my gosh. I mean, I've uh, often said that he is the player with no ceiling. That's kind of like the the buzzwords that I've attached to Bam Adebayo from day one. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I could not be more thrilled that uh, the Miami Heat had the ability to lock him up for the next five years, six years, actually, when you think about the extension, uh, yeah. and he can be kind of a pillar for the franchise. I, I think back to when Alonzo Mourning was interviewed after Bam Adebayo was drafted, and he said one day he will lead this franchise and his number will be in the rafters. And at that time, you know, with Bam Adebayo being a late lottery pick, a lot of people raised their eyebrows at that. And they thought, does he really have that kind of upside? And when you've watched what he's evolved into as the first year as a starter, and then the things he did in the playoffs up in until he was injured and kind of, you know, we didn't end on the, on the greatest note from an injury perspective, but he deserves every last penny. And, and like I've said on Twitter, but I think it's worth re reiterating every chance I get there. Are, every franchise in the NBA would be honored and privileged to give Bam Adebayo the contract that Miami was just able to offer him. So, I mean, it's a slam dunk from an on the court and off the court perspective uh, from Bam's, per, you know, as a player and a person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the thing where I know there was a lot of people that well, not a lot of people. That's wrong. A lot of people said that this was nothing but great news. But of course, there was always the slight meltdown in the minority. And my tweet that I put out before I went to bed last night was it is never a bad day when Bam Adebayo has just committed another five years to your franchise. So, and that, that's how I left it. And I thought, you know, I, I know that the, the vast majority were behind it. I personally didn't see many negatives, but we'll come on to that in a minute about um, the reasons why there were negative tweets. But I think that you're right. I mean, this was um, somebody that was, yeah, the 14th pick. Uh, I don't think there was many others in that class that have been, uh, sorry, there was, I think there's, he became the fourth person in that class. Uh, yeah, to, that sounds to get right. Max. Um, and I'm alright in saying it was it was Tatum, um, um, was it Mitchell? Sorry. Yes, T and Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, who is it, De'Aaron Fox? De'Aaron Fox, yeah. So I think that you would put um, Bam in the same sort of bracket as the um, first two. Fox, I think, is uh, if you're going to start pointing fingers at max contracts, etc., then Fox is the one that might be a little bit of a stretch in that sense. Um, but yeah, I just don't get why a lot of people were maybe thinking that. You know, why Why would you not look after your own first? It's always going, it's never a bad thing when you are maxing somebody that you have drafted. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. If he's played well enough to command a max salary, you've done something right. And uh, it's really, uh, it's a good problem to have that you had to offer that contract. I think the Miami Heat have learned a lot from previous experiences, maybe chasing Kevin Durant in 2016 mm -hmm. or offering a max contract for a, a young budding Hassan Whiteside that maybe didn't pan out. Uh, and they kind of neglected the, the guy that uh, kind of fortified everything in Miami and Dwayne Wade. And they learned from that and they took advantage of, um, of that learning and applied it to Bam Adebayo. And, you know, so for the most part, I don't see any negatives from that perspective whatsoever. Um, and it, it's a situation where there, I mean, I think you punctuated it best with your, with your tweet last night. There is there, it is always a good day when you can lock up Bam Adebayo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, do you think that there was lessons learned here with with things like with the Dwayne Wade? Because uh, a lot of people were saying, look, 
you can't have it have a garden for not looking after Dwayne, but then also now having a garden for looking after um, for looking after Bam. So do you think that maybe there was that was at the forefront of their mind as well? Is that we're not going to make the same mistake again? I do, and I also think that there it, it actually has more legs than just learning from prior experiences. It also has to do with the fact that Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic and Eric Spolstra and basically anybody who has a voice that matters in this organization uh, was 100% behind this move. And obviously the timing stuff, which I know you and I are going to get into uh, and, and kind of unpack that a bit later, uh, that, that we can kind of discuss the implications of. But just the overarching theme is that everybody was on board with giving Bam Adebayo the money that he was worth. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there was some of it that you're learning from the relationship building and kind of the repairing that had to take place with Dwayne Wade. Uh, but also this is a thing that you have a resounding Yes, coming from every angle of your organization. And this is a tight-knit group. And so you listen to those guys, what Jimmy says. And Jimmy propped up Bam Adebayo from day one uh, mm -hmm. when they talked about things like um, – all like, do you have another star on this team? Or who's the whose team is this? Jimmy all year overtly said – Bam Adebayo is that guy. He propped him up every chance he got. So, I mean, you really have the co-sign from your franchise player and Jimmy Butler, and that's really all you need. So I think that it was a combination of learning from the past, but also listening to the guys that are there now. And what better way? I mean, like, I feel like it's the perfect formula for building the type of team that is uh, living and breathing the culture that they preach. Yeah, that's a really good point. We've also listening to the people that are around you. So with the timing then, let's get on to that a minute. Um, now, do you think, I think everyone always said, look, Bam, Bam knows the score. We know he knows what we're looking to do. But if he, if he wants his money, he, we're going to look after him. As you just rightly said, that this is his franchise going forward. He, he will get looked after. So do you believe then that the contract was always offered from day one? And it was then up to Bam to go away and think about it and decide whether he wanted it now or to take it uh, next year, which would have meant obviously making things a little bit easier in terms of going for that max player next year. But do you feel like it was maybe it, it was just spoken about or, or do you think that the contract was there from the very first day? I think that the contract was there from the very first day at the culmination of this season or may maybe maybe even before the playoffs. I think that the yeah. Heat were gearing up to make this kind of offer to Bam Adebayo. He had proven his worth. Uh, it, it goes beyond the stat sheet, even though the stat sheet is completely full. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think that it was always in the plans. I, I don't know that they necessarily... Um, expected the ascension to take place as quickly as it has. And I think it's a situation where they essentially did this. They And, and I believe it was reported that uh, Bam Adebayo and Pat Riley met more than once to talk about this. I think that there was likely uh, a situation where the contract was offered because they're going to do right by him. They, ex they explained um, explicitly all the... Uh, implications surrounding uh, transactions and what can happen and the ins and outs of all that. And they said, listen, do what's best for you. Mm -hmm. We want to do right by you. And so I think that, yes, the short answer is yes, the contract was always going to be offered and, um, and they essentially will make the best of it. And they have the best in the business in Andy Ellisberg to crunch the numbers. So uh, I do think that this is not something that has came out of nowhere. It's something that they've been planning for. And as we talk about the, the financial ramifications, it'll become even more abundantly clear as we go through that. 
Mm. Yeah, so we'll, we'll obviously we'll come on to the numbers in a minute now and what that may mean for obviously our shot at Giannis or another free agent, of course. Um, but before we do, uh, Bam said last night, I think in his uh, chat with Will Manso, um, that um, he didn't know what Giannis was thinking. He had no contact with him. We know obviously they shared an agent. Do you believe anything that Bam said there or is that just one big fat lie? He's getting really good at answering these questions from the media. A very politically correct, savvy veteran answer. I don't know that every uh, rookie player comes into the league and is able to uh, tap dance around that the way that Bam Adebayo did. He did, he did well there because I have a hard time believing that with a shared agent and um, obviously a relationship there that there hasn't been some level of conversation. I'm not saying that Bam Adebayo knows 100% what Giannis Antetokounmpo is planning to do, but there has to be some conversation that takes place and um so i mean the, again the short answer here is i think that there's probably some communication but i don't know that it is uh, a situation where bam knows exactly what's going to take place and and made the decision based off of that i think that he takes some key learnings in certain conversations and back channels and things like that and then obviously he gives the right answer to the media which i'm sure all of our friends in the miami heat organization uh are very happy that Bam Adebayo has that kind of savvy when answering questions from uh, the great Will Manso. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, it was brilliant. <laughs> did make, it's almost tongue-in-cheek. It did make me smile when I, when I read that. I thought, yeah, okay. Very well done. <laughs> very well swerved. Um, so, of course, now, this makes things um, difficult. Um, but for the people that were sort of up in arms and going into usual uh, meltdown, especially on Twitter, about... Um, what this now means for our pursuit of Giannis. Um, explain to people who are not as familiar, how does this now become just simply more difficult rather than impossible in a, in a potential pursuit of, for example, Giannis or somebody else in the free agent class next year? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And it's actually, um, there's a lot of layers to it. And a lot of it is, uh, honestly, uh, it's so financially and cap salary cap driven that, um, truthfully, most fans, I would hope, can uh, find a degree of peace in just watching the basketball that they don't need to inundate themselves <laughs> with all these, uh, you know, ramifications from a salary cap perspective. But to put it in the simplest form, what the Heat were hoping was is that, uh, and let me take that back. I don't know that they were hoping for this, but just sheer logic tells you that they would have hoped that maybe this would have maximized flexibility. Had Bam Adebayo waited one year to receive this extension, he would have carried a what they called cap hold that secures his place on the roster, but is not his final salary for next season. And that cap hold is $13 million less than what this max extension is going to pay Bam Adebayo. So that $13 million... Uh, is obviously going to be deducted from the salary cap space that Miami has so keenly been lining up for the 2021 offseason, not just for Yanis. Giannis Antetokounmpo, but for any potential addition. So that now is a hurdle, one. Two, there's, a, there's another hurdle here, and that's related to, uh, if everyone remembers back to 2016 with the Golden State Warriors, they were in, a, a, in a, an unprecedented situation where they had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson on cost-controlled contracts, uh, and then they had uh, they took advantage of a great cap spike in 2016 to add Kevin Durant, and they were essentially able to keep every core piece and add a max free agent. Well, Miami was kind of gearing up for a similar situation where uh, had Giannis had the ability 
to sign in Miami outright next summer, you would be able to then give Bam the extension he received yesterday. You would be able to also uh, re-sign Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. You would have had Tyler Hero already on his rookie contract. So you essentially would have been able to replicate some of what Golden State did and that you would have kept all of your core pieces and you would have added a third max player to the mix now it would have came with a very high luxury tax cost but it was doable so the the sheer idea of being able to keep this exact team together and add Giannis to it you know it it rightfully had heat fans salivating and that was the hope going into this but I think in retrospect when you think about the state of the world as it relates to a global pandemic Bam Adebayo's health uh, concerns, not only physically, but also with the COVID stuff that he had to deal with for him to not secure the bag, as they say, the, as the young kids say, I'm getting old now. I don't know if I can use these young phrases. Um, it was the right move for him. And you know what? So who, who can fault him for it? There are going to be some, some things that make it a little more difficult to build the team. Maybe that we had all hoped for, but all is not lost. And there's a ton of options going forward, but really I think the heat fans that were upset yesterday, it had less to do with signing Bam Adebayo for the long term and more about the timing with which it took place. Yeah, and I think that it's very difficult to, I mean, I have never, ever, ever um, moaned at anybody that wants to secure the bag, as we say. I mean, you know, you look at Heat, fan, Heat in general. I mean, you look at Chris Bosch, his uh, his health problems he's had. You look at someone like Isaiah Thomas, who got injured before he was due a big, big payday. So you never know what's around the corner. And it is a hell of a lot of money to ask a 23-year-old to turn down um, when they are rightfully able to reward themselves right now. Um, so I would never, ever um, do anything other than congratulate someone for getting something that they've worked hard to do in a very uncertain time. So, uh, yeah, I think hats off to him. Well done. He's done exactly what he's earned to do. So um, in terms of now what we could do in terms of if we are going to still make a play for Yarnis, Now, at the moment, you look at the roster and after this season, I think we've got Jimmy Butler, who's due 36 million. We've now got Bam Adebayo, who's now going to be due 28 million, I think, although that might change depending on obviously what he, um, he, he uh, performance related, etc. And I think the only other players that are actually on the books guaranteed money wise are Casey Okpala on 1.8 million. Um, obviously, Precious Atuar for 2.7 on his rookie deal. And then we've stretched and waved um, Ryan Anderson. We've still got two more years uh. at 5.2 million. <laughs> that, that Tyler Johnson contract continues to hinder us. Uh, so, yes, uh, that's another 5.2 to, to Anderson on that stretch away. Apart from that, obviously, we're going to have Tyler Harrow back on his 4 million um, team option. That would be obviously criminal not to. But where then? That, that then leaves a lot of money left. So if someone like Giannis was to come on, obviously it's not going to be quite as simple as now just making the money match because we've got all these extra team options that we've lined up this year. If we've got Dala, we've uh, um, Myers Leonard, we've got on Dragic, um, Avery Bradley, etc. All these players that are on these one and ones or one minus ones almost as they are. Um, now, if we are to do something, with Giannis, how, how does this now happen? Because surely it can't be just a matter of going, well, there we go, we've made, um, there's Iguodala and there's uh, Kenny Olenek or Myers Leonard, there's the money work that goes the other way, because surely they want something more attractive than that. Um, does there is there any other way that this happens where we can still keep somebody like, uh, for example, Duncan Robinson, who will be due a big payday, Kendrick Nunn maybe will be due some money, um, or do we then package them 
into a, into a trade for Giannis. How does this sort of work now? If Giannis is going to be on our roster next year, what goes the other way? So th- there's a ton of different scenarios that can play out. And uh, I would be remiss if I say that I don't uh, pick the brain of one Albert Namad, who uh, all Heat <laughs> fans should know and, and get to know on Twitter. He's yep. an absolutely brilliant salary cap mind. Um, and there's also, you know, other guys that do great jobs as well. But uh, the, as I understand it, these are kind of the options here. One is you explore the sign and trade option. And that is totally viable in that if Giannis says, I'm going to go and I'm completely, this is all hypothetical just to explain and and kind of provide context on how this would happen. Let's say Giannis goes into the Milwaukee front office and says, I'm walking to Dallas for nothing, or I'm going to Toronto um, and you are going to receive no, uh, nothing back in return. Or you can work together with Miami, my first preferred destination in a sign and trade. What would that look like? So you could approach a sign and trade, and this is where these team options come into play. Because to your point, yes, it, it is unrealistic to believe Milwaukee's going to say, "Okay, I'll take Olenek and and Iguodala and and Myers Leonard, and that's going to be this uh, haul for for Giannis Antetokounmpo." You'd almost think at that point they'd much rather just let him walk yeah. and uh, and take their lumps that way, but. This is where it gets interesting. Because of those team options, you would have the ability to uh, package some of them, and maybe you also have some draft capital that you add to the mix, or maybe it is one of the young players, whether it be Casey Akpala, whether it be uh, Duncan Robinson, which I'm going to get to in a minute, or even if it had to be Tyler Hero, which I'm really honestly kind of against that I mean, obviously, if it's Giannis or nothing, and and it's like you're going to be served Giannis Antetokounmpo on a silver platter, I don't think that you're going to balk at 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 parting with any of those guys. But I think that there's other ways, and this is where it gets tricky. With a sign and trade, it would trigger the hard cap for Miami, which is six million dollars uh, above the. Uh, luxury tax. It's uh, the apron essentially is what it's yeah. called in salary cap speak. And where this gets tricky then is you would have Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and let's say Giannis Antetokounmpo sign and trade it into Miami. Uh, and then even though you still may have Duncan Robinson at a $4.7 million cap hold and have the ability to retain him, where it gets tricky is if he is able to get a Joe Harris or David David Bertans type offer for twenty million dollars a year, you were restricted by the fact that you can't go over that hard cap. So that's where this gets really tricky. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch, and I think that it could be a roadblock in keeping this entire core and also adding him via sign and trade. There is another option though, and that is let's say, and this is kind of a worst case scenario in certain ways. Let's say that this year all of the young players that Miami has accumulated all were to regress one by one hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. Let's say that they all take uh, steps back or injuries. There, there could be many reasons why yep. it just doesn't work. You also have the ability to 
wipe yourselves clean of renouncing rights on these guys, not picking up team options, and essentially going into free agency with Jimmy and Bam only on your books. And then you could offer Giannis the max, but the thing is is that the other nine-plus players you have to <laughs> fill out the roster will be minimum players. But Miami's not foreign to that concept because they did that in 2010 where Mario Chalmers was the only player on a on essentially a second-round rookie contract. Um, and so, so they've approached it like that before. It's just, I think, from a Heat fan perspective, we were hoping to keep all of these great young talent that they've cultivated and add Giannis, whereas that scenario would not be as clean in that way. Yeah, and I think that either way, whatever way you look at it, um, even if it was to go down that route and you thought, okay, uh, we've got we've got Jimmy Butler, we've got Bam Adebayo, and we've got Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, and then we've now got just a load of um, of G-leaguers and vets or whatever. Who's to say that we wouldn't now pick out another Duncan Robinson out of nowhere? I mean, who saw, who saw his rise coming this year? So even if it went that way, I, I wouldn't be against it. I'd say, yeah, okay, let's let's see what we can do. Um, it's but- so true. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, like, this is like a, it's a great problem to have. And I think Heat fans, it should resonate with them deeply that the franchise has prioritized player development in a way where they keep churning out these productive, uh, contributing players that become rotation level, even starter level prospects. So you're right. You can trust them to try to mine gems and find players that will be able to fit it. Uh, you hope that it doesn't come to that. I actually think that this may indicate that they could go in some other directions. Uh, but but the, the short answer, again, is that it is all possible. The, uh, all of the things are still on the table. It just takes a little bit more maneuvering than it would have had Bam waited a year. There are obstacles, but there are none. So uh, Got yes. it. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, you would trust our front office to do whatever it takes because, as you say, even if we go down that route, um, you know, there's not many players that walk into that walk out of Miami that are not a better player than when they walked in. So we'll see, but we have full faith in the front office to do so. So before we park Giannis, Greg, where will Giannis Antetokounmpo be playing his basketball at the opening day of the season after this one? Boom, boom. Ooh, the season after this one. (laughs) Um, You know what? I'm going to say he accepts the Supermax in Milwaukee. I think you're right. And that's where he's going to be. I just have a feeling that, uh, I don't know, the BAM decision combined with the fact that Adrian Wojnarowski is doing a three-part series on Giannis Antetokounmpo, (laughs) it feels a little um, timely that that would be, that that narrative and that story would be told uh, coming into this free agency. And so I I just have a feeling that he's going to take that there. Um, And I I could be totally wrong, but that, that would be my guess is that he ends up staying in Milwaukee for the short term. And if things don't pan out, I think by him accepting that Supermax, Milwaukee may in good faith uh, be willing to play ball in the event he goes to that front office a year or two down the line and says, look, this hasn't worked. I'm ready to move on. Mm -hmm. And maybe with that good faith, he takes the Supermax now. I agree with you. Yep, spot on. Okay, right, we will we will park Giannis talk. Just uh, very quickly now on to a few other little things. We've obviously had quite a busy uh, off-season so far, such a short off-season as it is. Um, Jay Crowder. Derek Jones Jr., Solomon Hill, all leave. Um, Mo Harkless, Avery Bradley, and Precious Achua 
think I'm pronouncing that right, all come in. And Goran Dragic, Maz Leonard and Udonis Haslam all have re-signed. Now, I remember five reasons a week or so ago, put out a poll to say have the heat got better, worse or stayed the same. I voted that we've stayed the same. I think we've pretty much leveled out there. Your immediate thoughts on that? What would you say? I'm with you. I think that they have stayed the same. I think that initially, uh, in full transparency, I really wanted to keep Jay Crowder. I loved his fit. Uh, The Heat have um, been trying to acquire Jay Crowder for years. In fact, last year at the trade deadline, they came very close to a deal with Utah that would have uh, sent Jay Crowder and Ricky Rubio to Miami, um, and it fell through at the last minute. But it, it, it got to the 10-yard line, we'll say, uh, in, in in American football speak. Yeah, and um, and And didn't materialize but they've tried to get Jay Crowder several times and I think that they in a perfect world they would they would have wanted to keep him so sad to see him go but here's the thing uh back to the player development and maximizing players and also the fact that this is really a Spolstra led group now I think that Mo Harkless is going to be able to do a lot of the same things defensively maybe in some different ways using length more than strength um but he will be able to do some of that we've seen uh this uh, organization and player the the shooting um, uh, players have came in and shot historically good seasons, whether it's Wayne Ellington coming in or whether it's yep. Jay Crowder in the run that he just made. So I think Mo Harkless can make strides that way. And then I love the Avery Bradley pickup. I think that it was a perfect, uh, he doesn't do everything great, but the one thing he does great, man, Miami needs it. And that's the point of attack defense guarding really quick players. It allows you to keep a player like Myers Leonard on the floor more often. Um, um, because you have a guy who can keep quick point guards in front of them, so it doesn't require Myers being the rim protector that maybe he's not. So I like that move, and I think that ultimately it is uh, pretty much they are coming back with a, the same type of team. So I would say that it, it was a, a neutral offseason, but when you look around the East, everyone had neutral or worse offseasons, maybe aside from Brooklyn, who are who's welcoming Kyrie and Kevin Durant back into the fold. <laughs> Yeah, this is. Uh, I was having this conversation the other day with. It's, it's such an exciting East now because obviously you've got Bucks. We don't really know. You know, great pickup with Drew Holiday, but we're not sure whether or not that's enough to see them now get over their not their regular season. Uh, you know, problems because they they're an absolute juggernaut in the regular season. It's whether they can do it in the in the off season. Or, uh, sorry, in the playoffs. Um, obviously, Boston haven't done anything. If anything, they've got worse with the loss of Golden Hayward. Uh, yep. Obviously, we've got Brooklyn, which are really interesting because. Obviously, now they've got their two superstars fit, and who knows whether they'll end up with a third superstar. We'll wait and see what happens there. Um, yeah, Toronto, they've lost a backer, you know. Um, I think that now with, with Miami, you know, sort of levelling out from what they've done, I think that what, all that's happened really this offseason now is that the the six in the East have just got even closer. You wouldn't be surprised if any of those six, really. I mean, Philadelphia have had a great uh, um, off-season, uh, off in my opinion. I think they've addressed their problems very, very well. So I think it brings everything a lot closer. And you wouldn't be surprised if any of those top six ended up finishing top of the East. But then you also wouldn't be surprised if any of them end up going out as a first-round exit. It's that tight. And I think that that's really exciting for next year. I agree. Um, and and one, one thing I'll add to that um, is that I think that 
because of that, and I think as they saw the NBA Eastern Conference landscape shaping up that way, and obviously that we're a James Harden trade to Brooklyn away from this being a yes. completely different conversation, <laughs> but as of, as it stands now, I think Miami is betting on the cohesiveness, bringing back the same players, uh, obviously the culture, and then the ascension of Jimmy and the improvement or the ascension of Bam Adebayo and the improvement um, of Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and these guys to kind of catapult them uh, and continue on the conversation of being one of the contenders. So I'm with you there. Totally. Yeah. So one last thing on the, on the new roster then Um, I put out a tweet again a few days ago and I said, what would be your starting five now with this new look roster? And I got back probably about half a dozen, no, probably a dozen different permutations of why people saw the best starting five. Um, From your point of view, if you're Spo, how do you start the season? Obviously, it's going to change. Of course, it is. But what's your starting five? If you, if everyone's fully fit and firing, what do you go with? I love that you got a dozen different options because that indicates that we have a deep team. And in a year where, um, obviously, the COVID-19 stuff is going to be, uh, it, it inevitably will rear its ugly head. You want the depth. So the fact yep. that so many people think that there are eligible, um, warranted starters, uh, you know, littered all across the roster is really good. But mm-hmm. I would say this. Um, the best five would include Goran Dragic. The starting five, I don't think will. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that Tyler Hero is going to play so well and look so good early that they're just no. They're not going to be able to not start him. It's going to be a situation where he kind of, he he earns one of those spots in a way where you just can't look away from it. So that would be one guy that I would pencil in, even though I know that that's probably highly debatable. Jimmy and Bam are, um, you know, shoe ins. I think Duncan Robinson is a lock because of the spacing he provides and just yeah. all of the great things he does for the offense. Uh, and then from my perspective, I kind of think that the smart money goes to Myers Leonard. There was mm-hmm. a lot of um, regular season success there. I think that they uh, saw that Bam um, as the the big man, because they went small in the playoffs with Jay Crowder and they went to the really uh, heavy switch defense and and I think that they'll get to that in spurts throughout the regular season but you the wear and tear on Bam Adebayo you I think they're going to need to be particularly mindful of that with the sh- with the tight turnaround to this season and you know the kind of the shortened off season so I think initially uh I don't know what the lineup will look like day one per se because I think they can go in so many directions I, I like the idea of Avery Bradley kind of hiding some of the defensive issues with maybe a Tyler Hero or a Duncan Robinson but ultimately if you're if you want my five today it's hero duncan jimmy butler bam Adebayo, and myers leonard that'll be what it is to start uh, i i think that that is a, a good analysis and i i believe that i agree with you with myers leonard we had an incredible successful uh, period with him starting uh last season and i believe that is how we will start again i don't think it's how we'll finish by any means but i think that we'll, we'll start with that uh what was a very successful time with Myers. so yeah i i'm i think the only question mark might be over whether we start with Hero. I would love to see it. Um, I mean, if, if it is down to me, I would probably go with that five. I'm just not sure whether he'll start with, with Tyler Hero. But we will see. One thing that is for sure, though, is, and you've already pointed on it, depth is incredibly important and uh, there's not many teams that can offer the depth that we've got and the alternatives that we can switch around in. So, um, yeah, that, that's going to have a lot to say. Uh, for our season going forward. Before I let you go, Greg, there's one other word that has come about today on on Heat Twitter, and that word is fluke. Now, 
Oh, if you... gosh. Uh, here we go. Um, now, I laughed my head off when I saw that this was uh, reported today that a lot of teams around the NBA have seen Miami's run to the finals as a fluke. Um, that is laughable. I'll have my say very quickly before I put on to you. Very, very, very rarely do you win a basketball game by fluke. But never do you win a... How do you win a best of seven series as a fluke? And then how the hell do you win? Do you get to the NBA finals and go to six in a depleted Miami Heat team against a very strong Lakers team? How do you ever get that far as a fluke? If you anybody don't. wants to be a fluke, it's um, the Lakers can, should consider it a fluke to meet Miami with two All-Stars out. That's a fluke, my friend. Do you agree with this? Can you believe what you've seen today? No, it, it was frustrating. We're getting to the point where people are just talking to hear themselves talk. I think it's like yeah. a slow news day because, uh, you know, free agent signings are becoming official and there's not all the trades and speculation. <laughs> so we're starting to get into a little bit of the uh, the dog days of the offseason, even though it'll only be for like four or five days and then training camps will start. But um, I, I agree. I think that there's, there's a couple things here to think about. One, to win a seven-game series is not a fluke. This is not March Madness where one game decides and then you move on. So, like, to beat a team four times is not a fluke. Yep. Two, they beat the Pacers in four. They beat Milwaukee in five. They beat the Celtics in six. And then they took two games from the Los Angeles Lakers with Bam and Goran Dragic kind of at half or less speed or, or Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo not even playing at all. So I feel like to call it a fluke is, is overthinking what they did, and it's really undermining also the success that the, that the Heat had against the Eastern Conference in the regular season before the bubble was even a thing. I mean, the only team that I think beat them twice – from this group of teams that they that they faced in the playoffs was Boston. So there were some matchup issues, but they didn't ever see that team with the Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala group yep. um, firing on all cylinders. I mean, they, they beat Milwaukee. They were uh, successful against Indiana. So I don't see the fluke there at all. I think that obviously there is questions to be asked about how do young players uh, respond on the road? They didn't have to face that kind of situation, but you know what? It was an equal playing field and I think that it's a bit ridiculous to point to it as a fluke if you want to say that there were uh, certain parts of the bubble that leaned into what Miami does best whether it be discipline whether it be focusing on basketball only Riley Pat Riley alluded to some of that in his uh, season ending press conference and you know what so th that's just uh, tip your hat to the team for having that type of culture but ultimately to call it a fluke is ridiculous and I think that they're going to it, it's beautiful because that will be bulletin board material come day one of training camp for Spolstra and his staff. Yeah, very well put. And um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I've spoke about it on this podcast. I know that you guys have as well on, on Five on the Floor. But just because you've got a uh, our, our culture as it is and you come in ready to work, everybody wanted to be there. Um, we had a lot of teams that wasn't sure. I spoke about this very recently on a podcast about whether it be for uh, health concerns or whether it be for you know racial injustice issues, etc. That's all fine. But Miami wanted to be there from the very, very get-go. We had a clear leader in Jimmy, which not a lot of teams did have. Um, so because we had this militant style going into the bubble, that does not 
uh, sh- and never should be replicated as being a fluke for the success. We shouldn't have been penalised because we came in ready to ball. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was quite funny. But um, there we go. As you said, um, Spo has his first team talk all set out for him. Thank you very much to uh, to the media for providing that. So, um, yeah. Greg, um, fantastic to uh, to have you on. Really, really appreciate you joining me. Everybody knows what a champion I am for, um, for five reasons. Also for Miami Heat Beat, which I know you jump on regularly too. Um, where can everybody find you um, personally? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Greg Sylvander, also Instagram at Greg Sylvander, and I'm on uh, FiveReasonSports.com, Five on the Floor regularly. That's uh, the main gig there. And um, yeah, that's that's where you can find me, and I really appreciate you having me on. I enjoyed the conversation, and I'd love to be back soon. I would definitely do it again soon. So Sometimes during the, uh, during the season, I'd love to catch up with you. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. Okay, lovely. Greg, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, to all the listeners, thank you very much again. Be sure to, uh, to listen, subscribe and enjoy going forward. And we will see you next week with a new episode. Take care, guys.